You see, the worst events of our lives really never happen. We think them. Those of some of you are smiling and nodding because you've been through the counseling on this part of the scripture, and, and you know the term rumination. Rumination is what a cow does when it chews the cud. He, this is sort of yucky, girls. Sorry, you're sitting on the front row, but a cow eats the grass and swallows it and digests part of it and then brings it back up again and chews it again and again. That happens over and over again until it can fully digest that tough grass. It's called rumination. We do the same thing. I don't mean chewing our food several different times. But when something pops into our mind, whether it's real or not, we bring it back again and, and either <clears throat> we chew it up or it chews us up. Listen, the Lord wants you to have peace. I talked last week about the path to a peaceful heart. And God wants you to have a new heart. And He will give you a new heart. He will give you joy if you will choose to receive it. And He will give you peace. But our heart is only half of the equation. The other half is our mind. And He wants us to have a peaceful mind. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, that is what he wants to happen, but that's that peace is what we talked about last week, but the rest of that passage down through verse 9 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned, or received, or heard from me, or seen in me, put into practice, get this, and the God of peace will be with you. I want to talk with you today about the path to a peaceful mind. Last week was the path to a peaceful heart. That, this week, the path to a peaceful mind. Uh, for those of you who are guests I believe in practical preaching. I believe, I mean, when we have a service like this and there are lost people present, we want them to hear the gospel and be saved. But most of the people under the sound of my voice are saved people, and they need to hear the Word of God made practical to them so that when you go home, you have something that will help you live according to the will of God and with the peace of God. So I'm going to say again today, as I say occasionally, just to remind you, I'm not one of those preachers who says, now, don't take this personally. I've heard that said. Why would you preach a sermon and say, don't take this personally? 
I want you to take it personally. Don't shove it over your shoulder to the person behind you. I'm talking to you and God came here today to meet with you. To change your life. And I'm asking you to take the message personally. So how, what is the path to a peaceful mind? Well, first of all, tear down the devil's lies. Tear down the devil's lies. If any of you have read the book or seen the series by Beth Moore on believing God, yep, I stole it from there. Tear down the devil's lies. You see, all that Bob George wrote about, everything, the phone call was real. <clears throat> it actually happened. But none of the rest of it ever happened. Now don't tell me you've not done that. Created a story in your mind. When, the, when was the last time that a police car showed up in your rearview mirror? Come on now. What did you think? You weren't even speeding. Oh, maybe you were going five over. Everybody does five over, right? Come on. Honest. You were only going five over. But you saw the police car in your mind. And mark in your mind, the blue lights started going blue, blue, blue. And you began to argue in your mind with the police officer, I was only going five over. Why did you pull me over? Come on. You had a meeting with your boss. You didn't know it, but he wanted to give you a raise. But in your mind, all night long before the meeting, you were arguing with him about firing you. We... we Stan, we imagine the worst case scenario. By the way, some people say the, one of the avenues to success is to run through the worst case scenario just in case. No! Your body does not know the difference in what's imagined and what's real. When you think about those things, Gail, your, the cholesterol and, 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 the, and all the adrenaline throws through your body, all those things that stop your veins up. Your body reacts chemically to the stress. Samantha, even though it never really happened, your body reacts the same. Tear down the devil's lies. Those thoughts that you're having did not come from God. They came from someone else. You see, the devil is a liar. The Bible says that the devil is a liar. In fact, it, the Bible says he, that is the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. I, li I like that terminology. When he's lying, he's speaking his heart language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Don't listen to the devil. Listen, when, you, when all that stuff is running through your mind, is it real? You need to ask yourself that. Is this really what's happening? You say, oh, I just know it's going to happen. No, you don't. 
You're not, you don't have foreknowledge. I was going to try to pronounce that word prescient, but I can't pr pronounce it. So you can't think and see ahead. You don't know what's going to happen. Quit crossing dangerous bridges before you ever see them or get to them and then find out later, well, it wasn't even there. Once again, the, the worst events of our lives never really happen. Tear down the devil's lies. It also means you can control your thoughts. You can control your thoughts. You say, well, I, I can't control what comes into my mind. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, what is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, if God commands you what to think, He's commanding you what not to think, and David, the end result is, you can choose what to think. Now, my fishing buddy in Kenya... Uh, Independent Baptist missionary Jerry Piercy told me one time, he said, I may not be able to stop a bird from landing on my head, but I can sure keep him from building a nest. You know, I thought that was brilliant. I didn't know my buddy Jerry was that smart. Come to find out that's... Uh, that's a variation of a quote from Martin Luther. Not Martin Luther King. Martin Luther, the, the theologian of several centuries ago. He said that. Jerry just stole it. But it was good for me to hear. I may not be able to keep a bird from landing on my head, but I can keep him from building a nest there and so, again, some of you know that I've been teaching for years, if a bad thought, a bad memory, something negative comes into your mind, do this. Now, I've been doing that for a long time, Tony. And I'm sure that a lot of people around me thought I had flies, you know, because I'm swatting flies. No, I'm, I'm chasing away the devil's lies. And... You know, I didn't learn for a long time, Michael, that those decisions, deciding what to think and not letting the evil thoughts, the negative thoughts control you, that takes place in the frontal lobe. That choosing section of your brain is the frontal lobe. And I, I was reading a book about addiction, and they, they said, activate the frontal lobe. Donna, I wanted to know how to do that. Man, I started speed reading at that point. I wanted to get to the section where he tells you how to activate the frontal lobe. There's two ways. One of them is by doing a physical motion. And I found out I'd, for years I had been teaching my counselees how to activate the frontal lobe to make it easier to make a decision. The other way is to speak aloud. And Michelle, I'd been teaching those guys who were giving in to temptation, say aloud, not today. Not today. And you can chase, you, 
you can chase the thoughts away. You can activate the frontal lobe and decide what to think. Think about these things. The other thing I said, tear down the devil's lies. And the second part of that path on to a peaceful mind is to focus on God's truth. Tear down the devil's lies and put up God's truth. Focus, in fact. And, uh, Beth Moore said, put up, and she put a poster on, on the wall. Put up God's truth. I'm saying focus. Focus on God's truth. That's what he kept saying. And, and he said, that thing that you're thinking about, is it true? I mean, Jenny, was that whole thing that Bob George went through, was it true? No. Cassidy, he, he imagined the whole thing. It was not true. And so I often have to tell counselees, is what you're thinking about, is what you're, what's keeping you up at night, is it even true, or is it something you're imagining? Don't tell me you have not laid awake at night imagining something that has never really happened and never did happen. The devil wants to keep you from sleeping, and he surely wants you to keep from focusing on God's truth. Is it true? Whatever is true, think on these things. Is it noble? Is it honorable? Is it honest? Is it noble? Whatever is noble, think on these things. I assure you the devil wants you to think about things that are, in, that are not noble. Then is it right? Some translations say just. Just means righteous or right. Is it right? The devil wants you thinking about things that are not right fantasies that lead to misconduct. Be careful. The devil will paint your mind with those things. He will bring memories back from you for, from when you did the wrong things, and he will torture you with those memories. Is it right? Is it pure? I'm trying to give you time I could talk my way through these real fast. I'm trying to get, I like it when you're writing things down because secret, your hand is connected to your heart. When you write it down, you're more likely to remember it. That's why we have the worship guide for you to fill out. Is it lovely? Whatever is lovely, think on these things. Focus on God's truth. Is it admirable? Most of the things the devil has us think are not admirable. Is it excellent? Does it have a quality to it? Is it really, really good? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? I assure you that the devil will do everything he can to keep you from praising God and giving God glory. 
Now, I know some of you wonder when the preacher raises his hand over there singing and some of you, you see somebody else in the crowd raising his hand. That's because I want to give God glory. And if you're not comfortable with that, I'm okay with that. But don't let the devil keep, make you critical of those who do that. Is it praiseworthy? I want you to think about this. Somewhere along the way, I, I, I was working on that list, Alice, and, and I thought about, okay, these are all good things. And, and, and Rodney, I, I thought, you know, you know Casey, the, he's talking about focus on these things. And I realized all these things, Heidi, are things from God, right? And, and James says every good gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. And Delaney, it occurred to me, Paul, when you're talking about that, what you're saying is, look for what God is doing. And it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. God is always at work. Myra, that's, that's what Jesus said. My Father is always at work, and so am I. My Father is always at work. Joe, that means whatever's going on, it may seem terrible to us, and it may be something that's very painful, but God is also at work in that. We just need to look and see in every situation what God's doing. Because he's always there and he's always at work. And you know, just realizing that, admitting that, you can say claiming that if you want to, but seeing what God is doing, look for what God is doing, tear down the devil's lies and focus on God's truth Focus on what God is doing. And then, do what you know is right. Do what you know is right. You, you see, the, the, th the thing is, it, it says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me. Now, that word learned, by the way, is not... Todd, that's not the classroom learning. That's not didasco, the teach, the learn. It's, it's not a classroom situation. It's from the same word that's in the Great Commission, Paul, that says make disciples. Whatever you've been discipled to do, it's an active learning situation. Whatever you've been trained to do, or received. That word received is not, and when I'm in a classroom situation and teaching on this verse, I, I usually take a pen. Alice has got a pen. We're going to do this. She's giving me her pen. But at this point, it's her pen. But if I do this, whose pen is it now? Sorry, Alice, you just lost a pen. <laughs> it's just a pen. 
The learned that's in that passage is that kind of word. It means, Sandy, to take it and bring it alongside myself so that it is mine now. I, a friend reminded me the other day, had a, had a meeting with him, and he said, I remember the day that you hurt my feelings when you said, when will you quit talking about what Lynn believes and you will make those principles your own? Well, I remember that day very well. It was a hard thing to say. But that's what discipleship is all about when you take the principles that are being taught and they're no longer, Brother Lynn says, it is I believe. And you state the principle. You said the things that you have been trained in and that you have taken the principle and you've made it a part of yourself. You've not only heard it from me, but you've seen it in me. Do what? Do it. Put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. You see, it's not enough to know the principles. Knowing is not enough. James said, do not be forgetful hearers. Do what you know is right. Now listen, you have a choice. Emotionally, you say, well, I don't want to do that. I don't feel like doing that. I will tell you that addicts, regardless of what the addiction is, and I usually run through the list. Some of you are not going to be happy with me when I run through the list um, because it includes shopping addiction and chocolate addiction and food addiction and Amazon, Shelley, Amazon addiction. <laughs> There's just something special about seeing the prime truck pull up in the driveway, isn't there? We fall into addictions when we allow our emotions to dictate what we're doing instead of choosing with our mind to do what's right, what's noble, what's excellent. We choose and we put our emotions under control. We have that ability. And doing so brings peace. Knowing's not enough. You've got to put it into practice. You may not feel like it. But I'll tell you a little secret. Some of you have heard this before. Right actions result in what? I'm, I'm sorry, I, you sort of mumbled, I didn't hear you. Right actions, that is doing what is right regardless of how you feel about it, right actions results in? You change the way you feel by doing what's right. Now, we had the Better Dads Conference. Todd, one of the things that I was going to say, uh, Mark asked us, or, or Aaron asked us, what, do you, what did your dad say that you remember very well. Well, one of the things, Charles, I remember my dad saying, um, he, he told me to do something one day, and I was an idiot teenager, and said, I don't want to. 
Now, my dad was a man of few words, but he was like E.F. Hutton. When, when he speaks, everybody listens. And my, I said, I don't want to. And all my dad said was, with a hard look, I can cure that. <laughs> and you know what? I was convinced that he could. <laughs> I can cure your don't want to. Right actions result in right emotions. Don't ever forget that. Do not allow your emotions to control you. Do what you've been taught. Do what you know is right. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. You do what is right. That means do what God wants you to do. If you will do those things, the God of peace will fill your mind, will fill your heart with His peace, and He will be with you. Do what you know God wants you to do. Now, what is that? There's somebody in the service today who's never been saved. You say, preacher, how do you know that? By the number of people that are here. Statistically, there is somebody in the crowd that's never been saved. I don't know who you are, but God does. I don't know who you are, but you do. And I can tell you right now that God wants you to repent of your sins. That means just admit to Him, I've sinned, I'm wrong. Admit to God that I know my sin has separated me from you. And I need, I need you to save me. And the way that happens is for you to call on the name of the Lord Asking for salvation. You need to be saved. Do what God wants you to do.